Welcome to episode 53 of the Through the Point podcast. This week I had on Olympic finalist Mackenzie Little, which I was really grateful for her to come on the podcast so recently after traveling back from Tokyo. And she's actually still in quarantine, so I didn't feel as bad because it gave her hopefully something to do. But it was a super fun interview, and she's been following the page for a little bit, so it was funny when we were watching and I had to tell my family uh, to cheer for her because she follows the page. But she was super nice, super authentic, and I loved hearing about her story. And she just has such a great attitude, especially when competing. And she's competed so well at a high level for a very long time and really does well in those big meets, which I feel like is something that not everybody can say they do. So it was really valuable to learn those lessons. But thank you, Mackenzie, for coming on. And as always, thanks for listening and enjoy. I'm here with a new Olympic finalist, but still in quarantine in Australia, Mackenzie Little. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And like I said, when you first got on, this is the biggest time difference I've ever had from here in the U.S. to Australia. But I'm glad to have you on, especially so recently after a returning. So thank you for taking the time to do this. It's absolute pleasure. No, thank you, Scott. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching you compete. And we'll, we'll dig into that more later on. But someone else answered the question, too, and they were like, it wasn't even a question. It was Logan, my friend from Kansas State. He was just like, I don't know what the exact way he put it was. He was like, not really a question, but she just looked very happy to be competing <laughs> was how they put it. And that was like something that stood out to me too, is it like looked like you, obviously, I mean, it's the Olympics, but I mean, there's definitely different ways people handle it where they get maybe too intense. And it seemed like, obviously you were taking it serious, but you were definitely enjoying the moment. So I think it's uh, cool to have you on. And that definitely stood out to me too. Yeah, that I that's definitely how I felt. I was really I was happy to be there, but not in the way where you're just happy to be there and just ride the wave. I was happy to be there, but also ready to um do the work. Um yeah, it was really exciting. And I definitely haven't always been like that. I remember like freshman year in the US, I'd go to a competition and I'd forget which foot I started with my run up. Like I was so nervous. Um yeah. so I've had to work on that, but yeah. Yeah, I don't want to, I mean, obviously if people watch the Olympics, they already know the results, so I don't, but I don't want to spoil it necessarily, <laughs> and we can dig into it more later, but I figured we could start with just kind of your athletic background growing up, and then like when you were first introduced to the javelin, how that went. Yeah, um, I guess I was pretty uh, involved in a lot of sport when I was younger. Um, I did little athletics, so a bunch of the other athletic events, but not javelin when you're little, of course. Um, and then soccer, softball, hockey, water polo, field hockey, um, to clarify. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, I just like absolutely loved it all. And then um, in my first year of high school, so year seven in Australia, um, I was just at a hurdles, like going to hurdles training the morning before school and it was raining. So I was called off and just went over to the javelin where my sister's friend was there. So we thought this will be fun. <laughs> and then the coach kind of thought oh she's she's all right you should come back and then I just kept doing jam it was really fun it was a fun group where you got to eat lots of food and all the people were really <laughs> nice so yeah definitely um loved it from the get-go and then it took me a while before it wasn't until um college that I actually focused on javelin solely I was doing all the other sports throughout high school which was oh, great really? and really helpful and my coach like just incorporated that into my training you know we didn't have to do sprints and plyos because I was doing soccer training three times right. a week um so yeah it um it all worked really well and kept me nice and kind of balanced athletically and happy so that was great 
Yeah, and that's kind of what I was going to ask about is I know maybe it's not super hot topic, but I mean, you see a lot of things of people saying you need to be a multi-sport athlete or you need to specialize in your thing. Like, where do you stand on that? How important do you think the other sports were to the development of your javelin career? Huge, absolutely huge. And even if it had, even if it didn't, you know, even if it positively or negatively impacted my javelin career, it 100% positively impacted my life. So I think I still have so much motivation and passion for the sport because I was kind of always had that outlook that sport was to like be social and stay fit and so of course like all those things are really good and I love team sports when I went on my official visit to Stanford I was like what's the chance I can play on the soccer team too and my coach was like no um but yeah like I think absolutely that's huge and I think that goes for like all of life things like you should be involved in as many things as you can I think it's great to have eggs in lots of baskets and then you have so many social outlets and so many people in your life so many different support networks and avenues and um, it means you like can never lose so if you're struggling or something stressful you have all those other kind of elements to who you are that help kind of make you more like supported and I think it's great yeah I, I don't I don't love it when people say to young athletes you have to make a choice you have to commit to this sport you know it really like I actually think it's it's so much better to look at the whole person so yeah Yeah, I I think that's a great point too that you just said it's not all about athletic development necessarily obviously you don't want it to like hinder you but there's a lot to be you only have one chance to do that especially in high school like you're in high Mm -hmm. school one time like if you don't do it you might regret it later on like if you didn't play soccer you might have just missed it now or or something like that so I think that's definitely an interesting take on it but I I could definitely agree so what was your then obviously you like you said you're competing other sports but I know you had a very successful youth career um, before this like what was that youth career like and also just like how were the competitions set up like were you you said it was mostly through school or like just everything about I guess Australian athletic system Australian athletic yeah um So the way Australian athletics works is that you are kind of part of a club and you compete at like for that club at different things outside of school um, and then at a state and national level. Um, And the school sport is very secondary. That's like totally separate and not the thing that you focus on really. Um, And yeah, so I guess I just competed and slowly um, kind of made made those kind of state and national competitions and was pretty well established I had a few girls in my age group who were quite strong but then as the years progressed um, my age group didn't have as many girls in it you know there were about five years ahead of me there's some really really strong Australian jab girls and coming up behind me there's some really strong girls but there weren't so many right around where I was and so then I guess I think my first competition was a youth olympic festival um, and I got silver to um, this lovely Chinese girl. I don't know if she's still throwing, but um, yeah. And then the next thing would have been World Youth and being picked up on that team was so exciting. It was the first um, kind of foray into international, big international competition. Being in Ukraine was surreal and so interesting, um, you know, with everything that was going on in the country and then later finding out all of the kind of turmoil unrest and the next year that airport that we flew into was bombed (laughs) like this is absolutely crazy experience to say that I was there and actually since then when I've traveled and people open up my passport at customs and see the Ukraine 
um, visa. Like in the, in the years after that, that would often get some weird looks. <laughs> but yeah, so that was great. And I had a really, really good experience there. Um, and yeah, I think my coach at the time obviously just had me in, in good shape and I was able to throw a big PB then too. Uh, and the, the PB, correct me if I'm wrong, is a world or is or was I don't know up to this date was a world youth championship record with the 500 gram. It was at the time. It is no longer, but that's okay. And and it, like full disclosure, it was the first year after the change of weight from the 600 to 500 for the age group, uh, so it was going to be a championship record for whoever <laughs> won the competition. So I can't claim too much. I did not on know that. that. That's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> so I mean, you still I'm had be it. Completely honest. Point. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so after all that success as a youth athlete, then you end up at Stanford. But like, what was the recruiting process like? coming to the United States and was that always a plan of yours to leave Australia and come here? Yeah, that's actually pretty interesting because there was just a staff member at my high school who was in charge of the elite athletes at the school or, you know, the elite athlete program. And she did a trip to the US and kind of mentioned some of the school's athletes at different universities. We had a couple of swimmers and a couple of other people. And she just mentioned me at Stanford and I got an email from the coach at the time uh, at Stanford, the throws coach. She said, hello, this is who I am. Have you considered <laughs> applying to US college? I, and I really honestly said, no, I don't know what Stanford is. It sounds great, but you know, I haven't really thought about it. Um, and then, yeah. And so I spoke to her a little bit and I talked to my parents and we looked more into it and thought I mean this is a pretty crazy surreal opportunity and my family it was actually going on a holiday to the U.S. Um, kind of around the same time so we thought oh why don't we just look at this university that has reached out so we went to Stanford and thought oh this is quite nice so it was like an unofficial <laughs> visit yeah um, yeah and then and then decided to just give it a go I'd never been to any other university hadn't like talked to any other universities um, I didn't know what I was getting into but yeah, I decided to do it knowing that worst case scenario, I could come back to Australia um, after the first year or something. Um, but then, you know, was there for a year. It was magical, wonderful, amazing. And I came back in those summer holidays after freshman year and just said, well, you know, I have to go back. <laughs> I can't possibly right. leave now. I'm in too deep. So yeah, that was, I had a really, a bit of an odd recruiting process, I'll admit. And since then, I have spoken to a lot of Australian athletes about the process and kind of gotten them in contact with different people because I know it can be difficult. But, you know, athletics is pretty objective sport, so you don't need scouts to come over and look. And, you know, I think it's becoming much more popular for Australian athletes to have that experience because we can't we don't quite have comparable um, financial support and mm -hmm. Um, you know, that combination of athletics and academics in Australia, it's not quite the same. Um, so yeah, Stanford was awesome, but it was a bit of, it, yeah, a lot of luck in there too. Yeah. It makes me laugh because that's like the most spoiled like place to go just because like, <laughs> not you, but like, I know a lot of international athletes, you see, they wind up at like the most random school I don't want to call out any schools I'm not going to come out one's no. my name but like they end up in places that I'm like they definitely have no they just think all of the U.S. is like one way and that's just not what it is but Stanford is like actually as nice as it gets so it was like oh that school just happens to email you that like worked out perfect because that is like 
obviously academically outstanding athletically that's like just everything about it is a great location like that's perfect but that makes me laugh that that's uh the one that reached out to you because it's just such a like ideal school you know you're right it I mean it, it definitely was lucky I mean we did our research in the end and I'd like to think that my parents and I thought about those things and I I wouldn't like you know the primary reason that I went was because I could get that academic experience too and so that was really really important and if Javelin was my ticket to that then I'm really happy for that to have been the case um so it was really important that it was a good place to go and yeah I but but it, it was lucky but we made sure that it was going to be a good one I think right absolutely yeah you definitely did the research on it but I mean, you can't go wrong with Stanford. So I've never been, but I'd like to be. <laughs> so, I mean, you obviously had a lot of success there too. And I don't know like what year, because how old are you? I'm 24. Okay. So we're the same age. Did you graduate high school in 2015? I graduated in 20, 2014, but we graduate in like November, December. Okay. So yeah, That's we're because that, yes, we're like the same age then. So I was going to use that as the timeline. So I guess I'm not skipping too much, okay. but like, do you want to talk about your background with like the 2016 U S Olympic trials? I mean, anyone who's been following, you knows you competed for Australia this year, but like, do you want to just talk how that worked out? Cause I thought it was a typo yes. on Stanford website, but apparently it's not. No, no, it's not a typo. I do have a U.S. passport. My parents, um, they lived in the U S for about a year working um about a year 18 months back in 1996 and I happened to be born right at the end of that period I spent the first two weeks of my life in Rochester Minnesota but then went straight back to Australia and I've never I've never been back <laughs> then I have no family in the U.S. so that's just a um that was a just a funny quirk and actually when I applied to Stanford some of the paperwork didn't look quite right and I wasn't invited to the like international student orientation and some things like that and we were wondering why. And then my parents and I thought, oh, like, is that because you're a citizen? And I actually had to go to the, um, you know, the US embassy in Australia and present them with this little baby passport that I had of a photo of me from 1996. And I was one. I was like, can I update this passport? Like, can I get a new one? And she was like, what, what's been going on for the last like, right. like 19 years? Um, so yeah, I now have that all sorted. And um, yeah, so I was, because of that, I was able to compete at the US Olympic trials in 2016. Um, and then, and then, but from then on the next year, I was planning on competing at the um, US championships again, but about the week before um, they got back to me and said, actually, you can't anymore. So I'm not, I'm not quite sure where the rules changed and what happened, but it would have been great to keep competing at that competition because it's amazing. But um, I was glad to have the experience when I could. Right. Absolutely. It's good. You got to take advantage of it. And like, like you said, you're only in the U S for two weeks. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and obviously things are working out for you in Australia, but like I said, I, I don't want to skip too far ahead again. I keep getting ahead of myself because obviously like <laughs> the biggest competition was so recent, but like mm. in your college career, you were four-time All-American, four-time Pac-12 champion, two-time NCAA champion. So that's a lot. And, and I don't know if there's like moments in particular that stand out to you more than others or like just talking about your college career as a whole, like what were some of the best moments and maybe some moments that you struggled with that people don't know about? Yeah. Yeah. Um... I think that I, it's 
it's funny when you when you put it like that and summarize the entire four years so quickly (laughs) it's like it's almost funny because um it like it never feels as as smooth sailing wonderful as I guess that might make it sound um but yeah I think I had so many highlights of of Stanford and I mean a lot of them were just growing up I got so more like so much more independent I had so many amazing experiences I met all these people from this crazy country um (laughs) and yeah like I just had the most wonderful time and then was able to train and study in that you know wonderful environment you described but I just I got I got lucky at some at some key times I had influential coaches and um physios and supports there that you know got me into a good place but it was never straightforward and the hardest thing of the whole experience was missing my friends and family it's very disjointing to just be plucked out of one country and put in another um and I missed them a lot like especially the first year but I made sure to go back home as much as I could I actually went back for Thanksgiving just for that week that first year and then for Christmas I made sure to get back as much as I could um I definitely struggled with injuries and changing training environment and coaching like I came in and did a lot of lifting and a lot of a lot of training and thought oh I'm so much stronger I'm going to be able to throw so much further and you know that first season I just tightened right up and just was like oh I have these new muscles I can just you know like throw it as hard as I possibly can it's going to go so far and you know that that doesn't work so I was just you know dragging my left arm open swinging my leg out and ripping it but it wasn't going anywhere um and yeah so I yeah I struggled I guess had some shoulder issues some elbow issues kind of classic jab stuff you know um and yeah like like I was really lucky to avoid any big major surgeries I think the biggest thing over the four years is probably my shoulder and you know there's definitely like there's a labrum tear and a supraspinatus tear and all the usual things in there but we just did a bunch of um physio and like rehab all the other muscles of you know, taken over the job and I avoided surgery, which wouldn't have been helpful anyway. Um, so yeah, I think like there were some rough points, but I was really lucky to get through. I also probably have to acknowledge that being in like an outdoor sport, like outdoor track only meant that I did have those periods where I could build and recover throughout the year. Also just balance my time and not be traveling all year. I don't know how the runners do cross country indoor and outdoor. I think that's really impressive and a huge undertaking and a lot of pressure all year round. But yeah, I think there are a lot of factors that meant that my experience was pretty lucky. So I actually think, I think that's a really good perspective though, because like you said at first when you were kind of joking, but I mean, it does sound like in a sentence I can say, and you had a lot of accomplishments, but I can say them all, but people don't really know what goes into that. And like, it's good to hear someone who had basically as much success as someone could have say that it's not all like sunshine and rainbows all the time. Like, it's just like, there are a lot of hard, hard parts and things you have to deal with on the way to getting those things. So I think it's like, maybe a reality check for the people listening that like if you're having a tough time like everybody's had a tough time definitely yeah and I think I've only learned that more and more like the humanity of athletes when you're in the competitions no matter 
if they've thrown 69, 70 meters that season, you have to do it on the day. You've got to compete. Everyone gets nervous. There's so many factors. And yeah, I think it just, it just shows you like everyone's going through the same thing. I find this really tough sometimes, but then you look out and you're like, you know what? I think everyone else is struggling too. Right. So it's, it's really nice that, that humans are humans and you know it seems like some people are robots it looked like Veda was a robot for a minute there um so yeah you know that's just the sport absolutely yeah and then after you Stanford then you transition into post-collegiate training and this is I wanted I've been I probably would ask about it anyways but that was also something people on Instagram were really interested in as well was like how that transition went and was that something that you felt was easy for you and you jumped into immediately or was it tough going from college to post-collegiate yeah, that's actually a good point. And it's quite different in Australia from the US. I think there's a big, um, like in the US, there's kind of a big divergence between after high school, people either go like collegiate or drop sport altogether. And then after college, people either go pro or drop it altogether. Whereas in Australia, you can do a more casual version of the sport a lot more easily. And, you know, there's not there's not really money and sponsorships here for athletes. So going pro is not really a big decision um at that point you just kind of continue doing this sport that makes you happy and gives you great opportunities um so I guess after Stanford I had a really interesting 2019 because I came back to Australia for the Oceania championships I went back to the US for a period of time um I came back to Australia for some medical interviews for postgrad and then I went to Italy and lived in Italy for a couple of months. Um, Athletics Australia has a, um, like, I guess a training facility in Northern Italy for people to base European seasons off. So I stayed there with Kelsey Lee Barber and her coach, Mike, um, and got some competition in Belgium and Sweden. And I guess my first European season. And that didn't go well for me. I think I was grieving like from leaving Stanford I'd had this huge like monumental shift in my life I um even though my senior year on paper looked all right I was trying 59s most comps and 60 and ended up all right if you looked closely my um like each competition I'd do one good throw and the rest would be rubbish like I think I was kind of teetering on the edge of um like being needing needing a big rest needing a big reset um so yeah I kind of crumbled a bit in 2019 and had that wonderful experience competing on that stage but didn't do very well and I think it probably also had a um had a lot to do with the change in routine I really thrive when I've got school going on I've got like you know life is highly organized and you know lots right. as I said before you have eggs and lots of baskets and you're happy and healthy in a lot of areas and yeah because I was just waiting to see if I got into med school and just training every day like I kind of worked out I'm not maybe built to be a full-time athlete or that I need other things going on at the same time so I learned a lot in 2019 about all those things but then was kind of in a bit of a icky place and my motivation was pretty low and my shoulder was actually my elbow I think it was at that time was bothering me quite a lot but then I returned to Sydney and at the start of 2020 I started working with Angus McIntyre my coach in Sydney um, and primarily training with his younger brother Cam McIntyre who's an 81 meter guy in Sydney um, and that just completely changed everything he you know was really really patient he was so kind and he built me right back up 
we had like really luckily COVID pushed the Olympics back. Um, COVID meant that the competitions were off the table for a while. So we got to have a really nice long base. We did a lot of strength, a lot of athleticism, a lot of, you know, rehab work. And he was able to get me really ready for my first comp at the end of 2020. So it kind of was really rough coming out of college, but then has kind of fallen into place. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks to some great people. Right. Absolutely. And, and that was the next question too, was just like, how did COVID work for you? But obviously you said, I mean, obviously there's huge implications for the world that are bad, but like personally, mm. and, and I felt yeah. the same way for myself that like it definitely helped. And that's how I thought like interviewing you that you would say is like on a younger thrower going to the Olympics, like having that extra year to like mm. just mature as a thrower and train, like you said, and take advantage of that time. If someone was like on the tail end of their career, maybe it was a detriment to them, but for you, it's like, that was kind of perfect. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Obviously, like I, I do have to say COVID has been a terrible international crisis. Right. But if I had if I had to look for a silver lining, I was one of the people who certainly benefited from that. Yeah. yeah. So then you end up like and one, I guess, what is the qualification like in Australia yeah. to make it? And then <laughs> and then just like, I don't know, I just put on the sheet like talk about Tokyo it's just like I don't even know what questions yeah. to ask like you could just talk about it but yeah, yeah like how'd you get there I guess road to getting there and then mm. just maybe some things about it yeah I can definitely talk about the road to getting there because it does seem different to the U.S. even though it's quite similar so the U.S. just has such extraordinary depth that there's always often three people with the automatic Olympic standard in every event therefore making the national championships the cutthroat decider of who's going so that would be how it works in Australia however we often don't have three people in each event who have the automatic standard sometimes we do especially middle distance have been really strong but often we don't so I was kind of someone who at that point in time I was I was quite I was in the rankings like I knew that I was within that 32 needed to make it based on the roll down ranking spots and I knew that you know, 64 would get me a ticket there. But, um, you know, and of course I aimed for that and really wanted to get that done. But I just competed all season um, and we had some good competitions on and, you know, I competed really well this season. It was definitely my best, most consistent season. And, you know, I was able to collect a lot of points at some of those competitions when, you know, Kelsey and Catherine weren't really focusing on them so much. And I was actually able to collect a lot of those points along yeah. the way. Um, so that ended up going well for me. And then um, I was sitting in the rankings about 23rd for a long time. And then just in the, about the month lead up to the closing of the window, Obviously, Europe competes like crazy. There's all those big competitions. Everyone's traveling around, getting the points. It's all coming down to the line. So my ranking is dropping like 34, 30, like, sorry, 24, 25. Oh, I'm like checking. I'm like refreshing the page. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> um, but, yeah. And so, obviously, you know, looking, scrolling and seeing my friends competing overseas. Going, oh, great job. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, then in the end, like it kind of came down to two or three days before the closing window and, and we were sitting in, you know, in just, just a little bit comfortably in. And so that was really exciting. And then 
the window closed and then I got the call like from Athletics Australia saying that you made the team and um, it was a huge relief I didn't allow myself to believe it until I had the email Absolutely. had it written down yeah because <laughs> um, yeah, you know it was a bit of a it was a bit of a stressful time but um, yeah I, it worked out all right Absolutely. And then now we're getting to the point where I was skipping to earlier, but you posted about <laughs> how you came in ranked 30th, I think, mm, and yeah. you got eighth, which is like speaks to your whole career. And like I said, I didn't want to spoil anything, but it seems like you've had a lot of, and, and even you said in 2019, it wasn't your best year, even in the, or in the NCAA, but you got the at least one throw basically every time you needed it. And that's kind of mm. like, it seems like you've had a track record of being able to compete well on the big stages. And I don't know if that's something you, and you probably don't want to say that about yourself, but uh, <laughs> you seem humble, but it's like, you really have. And, it, and it's something that's impressive and something that obviously not everybody can do. And I don't know if that's something that's like you do differently than other people, or it's like intrinsic to you, but you, was it your first throw in qualifying you through a personal best or was it yeah um, yeah <laughs> it's just like I remember watching I was like damn was like, all right well that's a good start but that was like super cool and then you were I think ranked like third after qualifying and like did you ever think you would be up there like that I mean obviously you're at the Olympics and you're a great thrower but it's like coming in rank 30th like looking at those rules you're probably like wow like I'm up yeah. here yeah, that's that's a totally fair assumption firstly um I appreciate it and I think I have certainly gotten better at controlling my energy I've done the sports psychology I feel like I have improved the way I compete but certainly like for example at world university games in 2017 um in Taipei and then 2019 in Napoli um, those two competitions, I came in ranked relatively high and competed pretty poorly at both of them and came, I think, eighth but at both. Um, and there's there's definitely been competitions where I haven't kind of lived up to what I hoped um, on the big stage. But more recently, I think, especially with the work that my coach has done to make everything seem simple and then also just the kind of life philosophy that um, athletics is something that has just enriched my life so much and I'm really grateful for it but it's not all of who I am um, mm. it actually is such like a calming thing in competition um, so that has been really helpful too um, and then yeah so in Tokyo I guess uh, my coach and I knew that I was in personal best shape and I was quietly confident you know that I'd thrown quite well on my first throw of competitions all season you know and as I've grown up I've learned that I know how to throw javelin and I can do it <laughs> and um, I kind of had that quiet confidence going into the qualifying and although I was really nervous like I was nauseous in the days leading up or like <laughs> all the all the usual terrible emotions that you feel but then you know I think we were pretty confident and I had envisioned that first throw I could absolutely throw a PB first throw that was the plan um, so yeah, I think I did that and I hadn't really thought about the repercussions afterwards. I had in the back of my mind, people would say, oh, like 62 will usually make the final. Um, but like, yeah, I was definitely shocked when I finished second in the qualifying group. And it just goes back to what I said before. There were people in that group, you know, Sarah Cole, like reigning Olympic champion, didn't make it out of the group and like hu huge names and really talented people um like that's it, it's the way the sport works like so I was just 
I was surprised about the nature of how it turned out. I wasn't like absolutely, you know, I don't know. It was, it, I was ecstatic, I guess, at the end of the qualifying groups. I think I was actually um, ranked fourth going into the final based off that, but I knew that the final was a different kettle of fish. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, you, um, you just never know. And actually it was so fun in qualifying. Um, yeah, Cara was in my qualifying group and Liz from Canada and some girls I've competed against since like the, one of the Latvian girls, Annette, she um, came second in Ukraine back in 2013. So I've known her for yeah. years and years. Um, yeah. So I did just go and have a good time and it worked out that, <laughs> that, that I made the final I was yeah I was pretty ecstatic and I don't know if I'd actually planned for that outcome I'd been very <laughs> planning for what I was going to do in qualifying but yeah but it's awesome when things work out like that like you said that was the plan and that you're able to actually execute it on it and then it also goes back to what you said earlier and just the importance of being able to compete on the day and I think it's like that's something I learned this year obviously I haven't done it on the scale you have but like when I you see the list of people and you see like all the personal bests and you're like, wow, like I'm maybe not up on that list, but then if you're able to just do it on that day, it's like, those are everyone's best throws ever. And who knows what happened when those happened, but it's just like being able to, like you said, stay within yourself and just do what you plan for is like, it, it's awesome. Yeah. And actually that's, that is a good point. Like I did see those lists in the PBs and um, you know, I, I guess it, it leaves you with nothing to lose and you get to go into the competition and say, look, if I just compete, if I throw what I've thrown to get here, that's already a huge, like that's, that's all you can ask for really. You know, I've been throwing about 60 meters this season. If I throw 60 meters there, that's all you can ask for. That's wonderful. And so I guess, you know, but then you add the little spice of like Olympic energy <laughs> and other, other things can happen, but it's actually kind of, nice to to be an underdog and to like have nothing to lose and go out there and and get it so I know it's I know it's hard when you have pressure and you're expected to win and there's certainly been competitions like that um but this was not one of them right <laughs> um and so yeah I just got to have a really fun amazing time and and you know chuck it as far as I could <laughs> yeah absolutely and then like you also mentioned the Olympic energy how was the energy in a stadium that was not so packed like like it was obviously the olympics but did you how did you feel with that was it something that like you normally feed off the actual crowd or was the competition itself enough so um australians like to joke when they answer this question and say we've been preparing for the olympics for five years <laughs> there are not often many spectators <laughs> when we're competing you know um not as many as you'd get in the u.s at any of the um at any of the meets at all in the US but so we we like to laugh and say we've been prepared for this but um you know it still felt really exciting there's still a, that whole wall of the stadium full of cameras and media um there's still the coaches and that coaching area and they did let athletes come and watch so there's that little Australian group yelling and banging the drums and screaming <laughs> their heads off um they're, they're playing the music the announcers talking and the seats were all nicely patterned so if you like just looked it kind of looks like it was full um because the, the seats were all different colors so yeah. I thought that was a nice touch um but yeah it still felt just as infectious and exciting and I think because I hadn't been to an Olympics before I didn't have an expectation so mm. 
like th that's just the way it, the way it is right. um, so I didn't I didn't feel like that was a problem I still felt just as anxious and and hyped as if it was full right absolutely and, and then you move on like you said to the final and then you made the final of the final and just like <laughs> how do you uh, like you can talk about that and then just like also just like how do you feel like competition's done and you just like take your spikes off you're stepping off the track and like what is going through your head oh my gosh yeah that was I mean oh I can't even explain that was so cool to be in that competition and watch all that happen you know because you can see replays of competitions on YouTube and you watch like you know the world champs in 2008 or something and you're like wow that's amazing but I'm sitting there on the little spot that says little and it's marked for me to sit and I put my bag okay. underneath I just sit there and watch this competition happening <laughs> um that was pretty cool and then just managed to sneak into the top eight so um to get those three extra throws I think if I was honest with myself I was pretty gassed like I think <laughs> you know I'm not sure if I need to work on some of my throw endurance or something like that but um it was really hot I was sticking my arm in the ice bucket um like I I don't I don't think I could have dropped a bomb in one of those last ones if I was really honest with myself um but like you know then the competition rolled on I was just already the like ecstatic energy of like this is real had already creeped in I think by the end of it so then when it was over yeah put my shoes on I'm like oh my gosh that like I'm, it just worked out so well and I'm just so thankful and happy and I don't know how to express it um and you know you walk um through all the big media zone and um so I spoke to the like channel 7 Australian um people and they're so excited and um yeah it, it's just so fun and I can't wait to do it again yeah absolutely <laughs> fingers crossed and, and like you said too it was just like you obviously expected a lot of yourself but like when you came in ranked the way you came in right like it was just like get through these rounds and worry about those throws later it was like just like you know, like as long as I make it through then just like I'll figure it out mm -hmm. but yeah like by the end I'm sure after all the travel all the being there all the competing you're probably just like wow this is a lot <laughs> yes yeah it definitely like it's such a whirlwind experience and actually maybe being in hotel isolation for two weeks is okay it's a good decompress um so trying to find the positives with that but it was such like an overwhelming emotional exciting huge experience to come from lockdown in sydney to this like whirlwind of the olympic village and then now back in a in a room locked here by myself yeah and i guess that is kind of where we can go next is just like how is the travel back home and like what have you been up to now that you're back yeah um so we all headed home after the closing ceremony, which was really fun. And um, yeah, that was great. We flew into Brisbane, so where I am now, and we got, you know, put in our little separate rooms. Um, and since then I've gotten straight back into uni. I definitely checked out for the week that I was in Tokyo, <laughs> um, got very behind in all my lectures. So I had a lot to do, which is actually a blessing. There's some other people <laughs> who I'm sure are going more mad than I am because they don't have quite as much to catch up on. But um, yeah, we've been here eating, relaxing. Um, I'm not one of the people who's gotten a bike or a treadmill or anything. I just have my yoga mat and some skipping ropes that I've got into <laughs> some little online skipping workouts. <laughs> the, the roof is just tall enough to allow this to happen. <laughs> um, 
yeah, and just um, a lot of FaceTimes in the day and the evenings, um, trying to keep myself entertained, but I'm just really excited to go home. Um, yeah, I just want to, I mean, when I go home, we'll be in very intense lockdown as well. You can't go within five kilometers or like go outside five kilometers from your house. There's wow. no excuse to leave. It's really harsh lockdown. So I'm lucky because I'll be able to go to the hospital for like, it's essential learning I guess my degree so I'm lucky I can leave the house but most people can't at all so um yeah it's it's a it's a bit of a interesting sticky situation in Australia at the moment I'm very much hoping that we can move past it because I, I would have already visited Australia, um, the US multiple times in the last two years if I could I've been missing my loved ones there like so much um right. and I definitely would have gone there like gone from Tokyo to the US if I could have but that would have meant I'm not guaranteed entry back into Australia um so I'm just looking for the next opportunity to get out of the country and go and see my friends <laughs> and get back so I'm coming as soon as possible <laughs> absolutely yeah and, and do you want to also talk about like what you're getting your degree in because I, I don't want to gloss over that because like you said it's so important to have outside influences and things to do outside of being an athlete like what are you working on right now yeah um so i'm doing I'm, I'm in med school i'm in second year um out of the fourth so i mean i guess ideally if touchwood i made it to paris i'd be a doctor by then which would be pretty <laughs> cool um but yeah so i'm just working on working on that um i've wanted to do that for a long time and that was also part of the reason i guess i was a little bit hesitant about the us because that's a bit of a longer path um in australia you can do a six year um med degree straight out of high school so I could have done that but I did the little foray into the US um <laughs> and I wouldn't regret that in the least um so I did that and then came back and applied for postgrad here um and I haven't really thought about um what I might like to specialize in well I have thought about it but haven't really decided I've been super interested in some surgeries and things but I think the one thing, interestingly, that I know I don't want to do is orthopedic surgery and dealing with athletes. Really, I think I've been I've been scarred from <laughs> you know going going to physios and doctors and saying you know, oh you know I I get intense pain when I do this hyper specific motion within my like weird abnormal athletic event. Yeah, like please help me. And they're like, oh, can you you know walk and use your hands and drink and shower and everything. I'm like, I, everything's fine. It's just this one specific extra weird thing that I do. I don't think I could deal with that. Um, yeah, so that's that's pretty interesting that that's something that I may be less interested in, but I don't know, we'll see. Yeah, that's really like the opposite of what most <laughs> athletes say is they're like, oh, I yeah. wanna be like a physical therapist because I wanna work with athletes. I wanna do this with athletes. And you're just like, <laughs> screw athletes. I don't wanna do that. <laughs> oh, yes. but you know so who knows I could I could get back into it in the end we'll absolutely that's hilarious though so <laughs> now I wanted to get to some of the questions people submitted uh for me to ask you and I guess mm. one this is kind of a hot topic actually this is probably the hottest topic in the javelin world right now, is the oh my gosh. track surface how do oh, you feel about the surface yeah. was the surface a major role would it bother you at all and like what are you mm. your reactions to it okay so firstly in qualifying for my qualifying group it was raining and it was wet and there were puddles everywhere so i think oh i we remember were more that. focused on 
were more yeah. focused on the fact that it was wet <laughs> um and they did bring out the sponges to get it done and and that was fine but we were also the first javelin event they hadn't had the hip they hadn't had the men's so it was a fresh track um so that was lucky I guess in the final it definitely looked a little bit different it had been you know used um but I've competed in Australia at tracks where I've you know run from the side of the runway because there's just you know all the torn up center um I've also run from the side of the runway because of big puddles and other things so I think I was actually quite well equipped and it didn't throw me I didn't think it was the worst track I'd competed on it, it I thought it was okay um I could see that people were worried about some of the little pickup bits and we actually competed on the other end from the men so like I saw oh, some of the footage of the men that. yeah so like the women's was down on the same side as the high jump and the pole vault um because I was watching the men's final from the other end um so it could have certainly been different there but for me I I wasn't too worried and certainly not worried enough to move over like my run up to the side which is something I like I'm comfortable doing that's interesting yeah. and that's like <laughs> you just blew my mind a bit I didn't even think about the fact you were competing on like different ends and how that could have played a role mm. in who knows maybe that other side was different or maybe it's just different demands or different I don't know that's yeah interesting. but I mean people have certainly talked about reasons why some people might not have thrown as far or like overall people didn't throw pbs as much as some other major championships and i think it, like it could be the track but for me i feel like the humidity surely had to be a big part of it we we're all just dripping with sweat the air felt really heavy it didn't feel like poppy and light kind right. of thing like it was so i don't know i like if people are searching for those things I could totally imagine all of them contributing yeah I, I think that's a good point too that like you said the humidity and the weather there I remember them showing like some of the temperatures and it was just <laughs> seemed insane and, and that's I've really only competed in the weather like that once and it I threw well but it's also a lot of people did not and you could see why not like it was just it's not ideal like it felt like I'm sure it felt like you had like a wet blanket just like on, on you at all times like that's just yeah <laughs> yeah ridiculous yeah so do you have something that you feel or, or like I guess you could either phrase this as what's your biggest strength but someone said like what advantage do you feel that you have compared to other throwers or like and they said good arm strength tip control etc but I, I I guess I don't want to answer for you so I'll let you go but see what you think <laughs> yes so that's an interesting question. I mean, I've always thought and people have kind of said that I had a bit of a fast arm or like it, it feels a bit weird to say, like I, I certainly don't have a cannon. I'm not really, really like really strong in the gym or anything. I don't like I'm not a big cannon, but my arm does like sling through pretty fast. Mm -hmm. And then I sling is like a, a bad word because it can be like slinging out to the side. But, you know, to certainly get that like get the talk like pulling you through is a good thing um right. so I feel like I've often had relatively good arm speed often relatively good tip control um uh and I, I get a lot out of my run-up so my standings and three steps are not impressive <laughs> at all um <laughs> I'm very happy to admit but as I move back I certainly get a lot out of that 
um, the timing and the motion of the of the run up. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a hard question to ask. Um, but I think there's certainly things like there's some big things that I'm going to improve on. I was pretty disappointed with how open I was on a lot of my throws. I didn't have a really nice long impulse floating in that nice position. You know, I opened up my hips and shoulders and kind of slashed and came all at once. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I'm not sure. I think I think a lot of different things have contributed. Um, yeah. <laughs> And this is like, like I said, I didn't want to answer for you, but what I was thinking was too about what we talked about earlier with like just the mentality of being able to compete and do it on the day that matters. And that's like almost, obviously when you get to the elite level, like a lot of people have a lot of good skills, but it's like that skill is like the hardest of them all probably to develop. And, and like, I, said, I mean, you said you did sports psychology and definitely worked on it and have improved on it, but it's also there's definitely something intrinsic about that. That's like, you can't train it the same way you could like just raw gym strength. Yeah. Um, I think that's, such, it's such a hard thing to think about because it also just, it just wanes and fluxes like crazy. There are definitely periods where you feel like you aren't mentally strong and you are fading in motivation and you can get it as easy as you can lose it and all those things. But I guess at the moment I feel relatively confident about that and I can I think it's just helped me to look at the bigger picture and look at why I'm training every day because you know I get to see my friends and I get to stay fit and healthy and it's a good thing to do in my life um, so I like already have so much like pleasure from the process and the journey and so then I get to compete at fun competitions and it's extra and fun and I've just tried to take take the pressure off it um in those circumstances because I know why I'm doing this and it's not it's not for that kind of end thing it's not for uh, coming seventh or eighth or like that difference you know I've already I've already gotten all the joy and benefit from it before I've even competed so um that definitely helps to have that kind of mindset for me I think that's such a great perspective and like it's maybe different than what people would expect maybe people would think that yeah you, just like have oh. the, you have the killer instinct of like I need to just beat everybody <laughs> every time but that's also like what Kara talked about when I like first she was which I was grateful for when I was first starting the podcast I had no followers no listeners it was like episode like four and Kara was willing to do it and like knowing who she is oh. it was just like great but she was talking about a lot of the things you were talking about too and just like the balance of life and javelin having things outside it and like how when you have things outside it it actually makes throwing easier or better or like you're mm -hmm. able to handle it better instead Absolutely. of like I said that just thinking like oh she has, has a killer instinct and she just wants to <laughs> throw it through everybody all the time like it's just the opposite but I think that's something that like a lot of people yeah. can learn from because people just put too much value into themselves as an athlete mm, I mean you, de you definitely need a bit of mongrel and I think all good throwers have that little bit of <laughs> oh 100% 100% um yeah but I think like I express that maybe a lot more in training so like in little stupid competitions with my training partners like I'll get really competitive and really <laughs> heated when we're doing standing long or trying to stab a drink bottle um but yeah I think like in competition also I I worry that if I'm one of the people in comp that's really like intense and then like you know 
throwing can go well or poorly. And if you're really intense and stressed the whole time and then it goes poorly, it's like, well, I've got, got nothing out of it. But if you have a good time and then it goes poorly, you've gotten something out of it. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It is, it's interesting to think about and it's different to a lot of people. Um, I think the biggest example of the difference, like the when I first noticed might've been back in 2013 for World Youth, I roomed with an incredible Australian high jumper, Eleanor Patterson, and she came fifth in Tokyo. And so she's just had an outstanding career thus far that will continue. But I remember back then she was talking about having the high jump world record taped around her room. And she had these really specific big high jump goals and she's absolutely like, you know, nailed them and she's going so well. But I remember thinking like, oh, like, I don't, I don't have those. Like, should I, like, am I doing this wrong? Like, um, but yeah, I think there are many ways that people can look at it and many ways that people can succeed. So, yeah. I think maybe it's more important to just know who you are and like you, the way you handle it is like authentic to who you are and don't like, don't try and put the big dog persona on all the time. If you're like more of chill than that like I think that's something in my like sports here in baseball especially like I tried to like do too much or just be too intense and that like took away like you said from everything that you're doing at the moment Mm -hmm. so do you think that there were any technical changes that you needed from going from 500 to 600 gram or like is there any difference in throwing those Mm. oh there's definitely there was a big difference um and I guess this is a while ago now, but the the 500 and the 700 gram just like fly. Like if you hit them right, they just like go. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think like moving, I remember when the 600 gram felt so heavy. <laughs> um, <laughs> just that 100 grams really did it. Um, I think there weren't actually really, I guess, technical changes so much. It was just kind of getting at that point you know, I was still such a young training age anyway. So I was still learning so much about lifting and training and doing all these things. Um, but I've always had a tendency to kind of have a bit of a wide arm. And um, so much so that once I remember when I was starting out um, in the f- first few years, I was competing at a little little competition somewhere. And an official actually called a foul on me because he said that my, like, that I let the javelin go too low. Like it was like below my like elbow or something like that which I've never heard of never seen this in any competition since or like I actually don't know what the actual rule is but I got fouled for having such a wide arm (laughs) um and yeah so I think I really have had to work on like that shoulder roll coming over the top snapping high and I'm still I still am one of the throwers that's a little bit wider but um I think with the heavier jab you had to be careful with that because that can put a lot of pressure on um on the arm so I think in the transition I had to make sure I was getting a good roll yeah I think that's hilarious that you were called for that foul because I've also never heard of that and I think the rule originated from like people used to throw mm. the, the javelin like a hammer like they would rotate and throw it like low so they're like it has to be high but yeah. I've never heard someone actually trying to throw over the top that ends up getting called for that foul so you might be one of the only people in the world and, and that official probably just read the rule book like right before that competition was like, okay, if it's below here, then you got to call it. And they called it, but I've never heard of that in my life. Mm-mm. Yeah. That yeah. is ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, wrapping up here, this is the 
the question I normally ask everybody, and I want to know who your favorite thrower of all time is and why. Oh my gosh. Mm, that I, I don't know why I find that a bit of a difficult question. I got asked after World Youth, and at that point, I just I knew almost no javelin throwers <laughs> <Yeah>. internationally. Yeah. Um, I remember like being so embarrassed that I didn't know the history of my own event. Um, but I, I don't know. Um, like, I mean, there are so many really amazing javelin throwers. These I mean, are your I've peers now. So you need to, if you say someone that's still <laughs> I, competing and you know them all, then they're going to be insulted. So well, here's why I say now it's difficult. But I mean, Australia has always had really good javelin throwers. Um, and I grew up seeing Kim, Kath and Kelsey, the three Australian greats of the last, you know, little while competing. So I always had that clear next level and I could like see mm. myself almost there. Um, so I think that helped me a lot. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think the people that like, like I look up to and that I'm really grateful for are the ones that I see every day. Like my coaches have been, you know, so influential in my life. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's, it's hard to say just one person, um, but there are some wonderful people that I've met through this. So I think that's a fair answer. Like you said, you got so many connections to these people now that it's hard to just choose one, but I think it's also, it's a, that's why I ask it is it's a personal question to everybody. So it's just, well, Mackenzie, it's been a ton of fun. Kenzie or Mackenzie, I don't know what you prefer to be called, but uh, I appreciate you taking the time to do this, especially <laughs> just as you, like, I didn't know if it was too early to reach out and message you, like, or I'd message anybody from the Olympics. I'm like, they have literally had the busiest <laughs> month in the past month. I don't want to bother them, but I'm glad you were able to take the time out and do it. It's really appreciated. It's a ton of fun. Yeah, no, my pleasure. It, it's great to talk about it. Um, yeah, I, I'm so, so thankful um, for everything that Javelin has done. And it's an honor to be on this podcast, um, <laughs> knowing some of your previous guests. So actually, I'm the one that should be thanking you.